Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Some People Call That Jesus. Today we'll be looking at a theme that I call the ripple effect, or in essence, seeing how our decisions affect other people, and some other aspects that relate to our relationship with God as well. And for this ripple effect in this lesson that we'll be learning today, we'll be taking a little look into the story of Jonah, the classic um, story of Jonah. Not the whole thing, just one little snippet, one little portion of it, um, and some of the lessons to learn from that. So the main verses will be in Jonah chapter 1, and a section of several verses that I'll be going over. Um, as you know, or maybe don't know, Jonah, the famous story of uh, the prophet that runs from God and at one point is swallowed by a fish um, and delivered back to where he ran from. Um, so we'll kind of be going up to that moment. So there's a lot of lessons to learn from this story, um, which is really interesting. Such a famous story for that example itself right there, that piece of it. Um, although in my Bible, it's really just two pages. It's four chapters, uh, not even two full pages, more like a page and a half. And it's such a famous story. Some of the other um, minor prophets in the books of the Bible around it are much less popular or known commonly. But the story of Jonah, for many reasons, has become very popular and well-known, um, especially for the fish part. But we'll be looking at some important lessons with it. And the first lesson, which relates back to when we talked about Cain and Abel and some of the decisions and behaviors of Cain and what resulted of that. But that theme that is going to stay with us really throughout the whole Bible, throughout all these different podcast episodes, is how we respond to the voice of God. God's voice calling us and how do we respond to it as Christians and as non-Christians. Right there in the beginning of Jonah, if you're there in Jonah chapter 1, um, he gets a message that he's supposed to go preach to this particular city. And in verse 3, just the first sentence of verse 3, it says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. And he heads for this very faraway city that's in the literal opposite direction of where he's supposed to go. But just that sentence alone, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. We saw that, in a sense, with Cain. It's running away as a form of disobedience here that he had in response to God's word. Um, and one thing as well that we look at, what we always try to do in these podcasts, as you know, is try to make things applicable, make them practical. Because one thing here with the story of Jonah, we're going to look at what's relatable, of course. But sometimes with these stories, is the more you whittle it down to the specifics, such as he's a prophet, he's sent to the city, whatever his reason is of fear or d disagreeing with God's plan, he runs in the opposite direction. Sometimes when you whittle it down to the specific details, you can make it unrelatable to yourself. I might think like, oh, I'm not a prophet sent to this particular city for this reason. And, and then the story becomes a good one with lessons to learn, but it's not as relatable. And if a story or lesson is not relatable, you typically don't walk away with much. You might remember it, but you probably won't put those things into practice. So I like to stay at the principle level or the things that are relatable to us and what we can take away. So we can put into practice the lessons that we are learning here. So just that, that this person, whether you identify or see yourself as a prophet or whoever it may be, God's voice is speaking to all of us, calling and drawing all of us. So when you respond to that with disobedience or God sending you in a direction and you running the opposite direction, there most certainly will be consequences for it. There'll be repercussions that result. Um, depending on how you respond, you might have positive consequences or negative, depending on how you respond to that word of God that comes from you. But one verse to add to this section here about God's voice calling us to himself, calling everyone, um, is in the Gospel of John. And it's John chapter 16, 
verses 7 and 8, which I'm turning over to right now. And in John 16, Jesus teaches us this about um, some of the work that the Holy Spirit is doing for us. And it says this. So again, John 16, verses 7 and 8. Verse 7 says, But I tell you the truth. It is, good, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 8 says, And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So Jesus is telling the disciples here that the Holy Spirit is coming. And one primary work of the Holy Spirit is to go out in the world and convict the world of sin. To make us aware of how we've gone astray, how we've disobeyed God, really just the status of our life, because unless you've received Christ or accepted him, you're living a life or walking in a direction that's opposite of God. So the Holy Spirit's convicting each and every one of us, every single person, to come back to God. So it partners here with the beginning of Jonah to say the word of God comes with a particular mission and purpose for our lives, calling us. And so we all have experienced that in many different ways. I don't even know all the ways that the Holy Spirit's calling people, working upon our hearts to draw us closer to Him, to change us from our way of life to something new and different, the new life that He offers, but that voice comes. And if you respond to it by running away, which again is responding to it in disobedience, or another form of disobedience, even if it's not classified as running away, there's, there's repercussions. It creates a ripple effect to the people, not only in your life, around your life, friends, family, coworkers, Sometimes we don't even know all the implications of it, but there's repercussions. That's why I called this the ripple effect, because we'll see by Jonah's decision here some of the repercussions that come upon those that are with him on this part of the journey. Um, so the first lesson in this, or I should probably say the second at this point, is about being considerate or being inconsiderate. Um, Jonah not really fully understanding how his decisions and his behaviors will impact those around him, how the repercussions will spread to them as well. And when you think about being inconsiderate, um, typically we use that pretty commonly. Um, you know, we might think of driving down the road and someone cuts us off or fails to use a blinker or, I don't know, cuts in line at the grocery store or something like that. Um, and we, you know, think, hey, they're being inconsiderate. Whatever your example is or whatever comes to mind when you think of someone being considerate or inconsiderate, really what it boils down to is understanding how your actions and decisions are impacting those around you. And maybe before you make a decision, before you say something, you think about how might that implicate others or how might that impact others around me in a positive or negative way, instead of just speaking your mind all the time, regardless of the consequences. <laughs> so being considerate is just one lesson here in the story of Jonah I was thinking of. Um, because here, here's an example. So he goes on the ship, he pays his fare, he's sailing in the opposite direction. Jonah is now. And as a result of this, talking about negative repercussions, God sends a storm against the ship that Jonah is on. And here I'll read it. It's kind of in verses 4, 5, and 6. So here's in Jonah chapter 1 again. It said, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, says the Mediterranean, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. And when you think about these uh, experienced sailors, this is a very long journey. I'm sure they've made it before. They may have been doing this their whole lives. So a lot of experience there on the ship. And this, the storm is described as being so bad that the ship itself is starting to fall apart. 
and they realize that the mortal danger they're in, they're even this cargo that they're probably commissioned to take to different cities along the way, they're throwing it overboard, just trying not to sink, trying to spare their own lives. So when the experienced sailors are freaking out in the middle of the storm, you know it's very bad. Um, so it's a terrible storm that's come upon them. And But interestingly, it says, but Jonah, he had gone below deck at some point, maybe before the storm hit, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. And verse 6 says, then the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Which I don't know how, in the midst of a storm like that, Jonah was still sleeping. Maybe you can answer that for me or venture a guess to why he was so tired, exhausted, needed this rest, that he didn't even wake up when the ship's about to be broken apart. But it was a lesson to me in terms of being considerate or understanding how your actions may affect others around you, that picturing him sleeping in the midst of this while they're trying to spare their own lives, while the ship is barely holding together, just reminds me, I can't speak to other people, but at least to myself, of all the times I wasn't even aware of the consequences other people were going through as a result of my actions and behaviors. And it's one of the most dangerous things that can happen with being inconsiderate. You're not even aware of or even consciously looking for how you're impacting those around you. And sometimes it gets brought to your attention, just like the captain. You may be at a point in your life or maybe you've been like the captain in a scenario with your family or friends or coworkers where that one person works up the courage to come to you and says, hey, you're acting this way. You're doing these things and it's having this impact upon us. Why are you doing that? And... More often than not, at least I have before, found out didn't even realize I was doing it. Oh, you know, not even realizing the impact I was having or just thinking that maybe my negative behavior was solely to myself. But no, it's impacting people around me as well. So that's an important lesson that we see here with Jonah being shook and awake. What are you doing? We're all fighting for our lives here. Do something to contribute to the cause. Um, so that's powerful here. And they'll come to find out what the cause of it is with Jonah as he confesses it as well, which is another point that we will come across. But Jonah has this unique situation where he's sent on this mission for God as a prophet, and he's running away. Now, one common reason, it's not the sole reason, but a very common reason the Bible shows us for why people run from the voice of God, run from what God is calling them to do. Now, this is someone already serving God, but to anyone else in the world, even sometimes Christians as well, we get an idea of why run. I think, why run? Why are we running from our problems all the time? And here's John chapter 3. So we were looking at John earlier. John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. And Jesus says this, giving us insight into why people run. He said, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. And will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. So I see that a lot, again, in my own life and in the past of, why don't you respond to the voice of God? Why aren't you coming into the light or the knowledge of the Bible, however you want to put it? But when God calls you, people aren't coming because their deeds that they're doing that they might feel guilty or ashamed of at times, it's hidden away in darkness. But God's word is light. When he speaks to us, that's light. It's bringing awareness, illumination to what we're doing. It can, be a, uh, it can be a difficult moment because then you become aware, and it's really your sin that you've committed that's causing you the guilt and the shame. It's not God causing that. He's just making you aware of what you've done and the consequences of it, and you may feel a serious guilt come upon you because of that and for that very reason. So many times when that moment of conviction 
in our heart, in our mind, when it's been called out, what we've done, how we've strayed, how much we've missed the mark, which can be very painful to come to that realization. Sometimes we tend to run. I've certainly done that before. Instead of surrendering, instead of turning back, you run away further. You try to get further away from it. And he says here, when people love the darkness, they love their deeds, they don't want them to be exposed, they'll run away from the light. So that's a key reason people run away from conviction, because they don't want to face that in the moment, which can certainly be very difficult to do. But what's amazing with that is a verse to partner with it, which is in Second Peter that I'm turning over to. And the Holy Spirit, again, as we read in John 16, out in the world, convicting people of sin, turning people back to God, making you aware of where you're at, but also where you need to be, and he helps us there. Because it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, it's kind of towards the very end of the Bible, 2 Peter 3, verses uh, 9 and 15. And verse 15, I'll read verse 15 first. It says, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. God is very patient with us. He's taking his time. He's... he's uh, I mean, taking his time, he's, he's giving us time as he's working with us and upon our hearts because sometimes we keep running, but he wants us to be saved. And that was verse 15, back in verse 9 there of that chapter in Second Peter, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Which is an amazing promise for us and a piece of the Bible that's so important. Even when we're running from that conviction, God's still working upon our hearts Sometimes it takes a hundred tries before we finally give in, but God's very patient with us because he wants us to be saved. It says here he wants everyone to come to repentance. He wants everyone to turn back, to turn to him, to not perish, to not be stuck in our own ways, but to give in to that conviction and start headed the right way by his power, by his word. So that's really cool how patient God is with us. And certainly with Jonah here, which many of us, myself included, can relate to Jonah in that. So when looking at these pieces... What do we do? What's some of the takeaway here? As we look at the last few verses here in the story of Jonah, keeping in mind how your actions affect other people, but ultimately how your actions affect God's plan in your life, whether you're stopping it from coming to be because you're running from him, or you're actually seeing the purpose of God fulfilled in your life because you stopped running and you start walking in the direction he wants you to go. So what do we do? We repent, we turn back and call upon God. And we'll see it right here with Jonah. So they're happening in the storm. Um, they cast lots and they, they see it falls on Jonah. This is Jonah's fault somehow. So they ask him all these questions about what's going on. And in verses 9 and 10 here in Jonah, back to chapter 1 in Jonah, in verse 9 he goes, He answered, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. I picture this as Jonah's confession, the start of repentance. They ask him these questions. He finally says, listen, this is my God who sent this. I'm running from him. I was supposed to do something and I'm not. And this is why it's happening to not only me, but all of you. Because in verse 10, it says, this terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? Then it says in parentheses, they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. Jonah finally confesses and says, this is, I'm running. This is why I'm here. This is why this has come upon you. These repercussions are not your fault. Their mind. So this is Jonah's confession. Skip down to verse 12 as the sea is getting rougher. He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, Jonah says, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. I see this as the beginning of Jonah's repentance, of his turning back. 
And to see kind of his full prayer and crying out to God, you look in Jonah chapter 2, which is a very intense scene. But here, this is Jonah's confession and then his turning back. Throw me into the sea, this is my fault. It will be calm for you. I'll start to turn back. I'll start to head back the appropriate way. He's probably not really sure whether he lives or dies here, but he says, I'll, I'll, I'll stop running, God. Save these people, end this problem, throw me in. So they do, and the storm becomes calm. And amazingly enough, at this moment of repentance, which is a huge lesson for us, is that in verses 15 and 16 here in Jonah, look what happens with the crew. It says they took Jonah at his, at his word, at his suggestion, and they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. His repentance became a testimony, which equates to every Christian nowadays. You accepted Christ, you turned from your old life to a new one, and that conversion, that change in your life becomes the foundation of your testimony. As soon as he repents here and this whole situation changes in Jonah's life and the repercussions that are affecting those around him, it becomes a testimony. They were all praying to different gods just a few verses ago in the same situation. And now they're offering sacrifices and vows to the one true God. It becomes a huge testimony. God bringing something good out of a bad situation. And then the most amazing part about repentance, about turning back, is in verse 17. So Jonah's now in the sea. It says, But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Probably the most famous part of the story, him swallowed by the big fish. And it's the last part of this repentance and turning back. God rescues. He's looking for you to turn back. That's why he convicts you, rebukes you even, corrects you to begin with, because he wants to save you and rescue you, which applies to us right now with Jesus and the salvation that he offers. So you see this in this ripple effect. There's no need to have negative consequences spreading to more and more groups of people around you. You can start to spread positive consequences. You can finally stop running from problems and situations, turn back, which is a repentance, call upon God, and he's waiting to rescue you and to lead you back in the right path. And he takes Jonah right back to the shore where he began, and he starts heading off in the correct direction, over land this time, to the city that he was sent to. So an awesome lesson, just one part of this short story of Jonah. So I encourage you to go in and read it all for yourself. But an understanding for us that God is very patient with us. He's waiting there to rescue as long as we make the decision to turn back. So thank you for listening again and studying with me. I'm excited and looking forward to getting into more episodes with you soon.